Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. It's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think I've stepped out of line my entire life. If 99 people are doing one thing, I was always that one person to be like, but what about the other way? And my whole life I've been that way. I've actually been a vegetarian since elementary school. And I've had the question my whole life, why are you a vegetarian? Why don't you eat meat? I also don't drink. I've never really drank alcohol. And people always said, why don't you drink? So everybody's doing one thing and I'm usually doing the opposite. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I feel like my whole life I've just been like outside of the line. And even when I was graduating college, everyone was getting a full-time job and they had job offers and they were going to, you know, go into their career. And I stepped out of line and started a nonprofit and nobody that I know did that at, you know, graduating. So I think there's a lot of times that I actually stepped out of line and did something totally different than everybody else. When did you start your nonprofit that you are currently running? So I was about 23 years old. Um, I was just about to graduate from college. And I was in uh, my senior year at FIT when I had the epiphany of, I don't want to get a job. And in the fashion industry, this is not where I see my happiness lying for the rest of my life. You know, all of these samples are lying around. So I'm going to step out of line and going to start a nonprofit um, to figure out how to get these designer samples. So that was, I was a senior in college when I had the first aha moment. And then I knew because I had known, um, only fashion, really, I studied fashion for six years from high school to college. So I decided that I was going to start a nonprofit, but I had to learn how to start a nonprofit. And nobody I knew ever did that before. And I didn't really have anybody to turn to besides books. So I decided to go get my master's right away after undergrad to learn kind of the fundamentals of how to start a nonprofit. So I had two years of quote, unquote, training, before I really launched into it. But um, I was about I guess about 23 years old. And so you went to Baruch for grad school. So I studied um, public administration. So that's uh, public service, government policies, healthcare, and nonprofit. Any big mistakes that you made? I have to say, I don't know if I'm lucky or um, I think things through, or maybe I don't think there's any mistakes that I made, but I think that I, I play it safe a lot. And you know, I started in a basement with one clothing rack and I knew I wanted to do it, but I also worked part-time to pay, you know, my bills and save some money. And, and so I feel like I did a lot of the right steps the right way to kind of gear up for the long-term success of it. Um, so looking back, I, I honestly don't think there's mistakes necessarily that I've made, but a lot of learning curves. Like I learned how to build this entire organization from the ground up by myself. I didn't have somebody who who was a partner or, um, you know, a mentor who was saying, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. I learned everything along the way on my own. And maybe that's why I didn't make a ton of mistakes because I was really kind of soaking it all in and learning as I went. So I was really lucky where um, one nonprofit sometimes is a little different than for profits because a lot of people want to help nonprofits and, you know, they want to give back and help make a difference. So I found the first thing I found was an uh, attorney who 
wanted to help me pro bono. And, you know, I, I cold called them. It was a firm on Long Island. And I happened to be put in touch with a guy named Tom. And Tom happened to be an incredible mentor for many years, still is. Um, so people wanted to help, which was nice. I had a lot of friends and family that would help, you know, sit in the basement with me and take pictures and really build it. But nobody ever wanted something in return for that. They really just wanted to kind of put in some effort and make it grow. Um, so there were no partners. One, also in a nonprofit, there's no return on your investment. You know, it's not like in a business, you know, you have a partner and they get 20% or 30%. In a nonprofit, there is no percentage in return. So um, there was kind of no partners to be made, I guess, in that sense. But it was just a lot of like really great helping hands that from the bottom of their heart just did it to help me and help me grow it. The beauty of the Fashion Foundation, we are small, but also the things that people ask us for um, are a lot of times small things. And, you know, not every school needs a computer room with 30 computers that is going to be a hundred thousand dollar donation. Some schools are just saying to us like, Hey, we need clean clothes or, you know, we need these small things. So it's a thousand dollars, $2,000. It's not a ton of money. So that's the beauty is that we can do a lot of things because sometimes that ask is a, ask is a little bit smaller. Um, and financially we're able to do it. The flip side of it is since Kelly Clarkson aired and um, I just feel really blessed and thankful for not only the Kelly Clarkson show, but incredible year here, which sometimes is, I feel awful to say because it's been such a hard year for so many people. Do you contact the designer or do the designer reach out to you and say, look, I have these items, let's go? The funny thing is for years, I would say for six years, we maybe sent out five emails to ask designers for product. A lot of times these designers are actually finding us or it's word of mouth. And we actually don't really outreach this year. We've started to because we're actually running out of product and we have kind of needs that we need to fill. So we've been spending a little bit of time, but I don't think over the course of the entire organization, have we sent out more than 50 to 100 emails. So all of this product that you're seeing is actually brands that are finding us or, or word of mouth. Um, Rebecca Minkoff was such a special story. And she's one of my favorite designers that supports us because I'm such a firm believer in like the power of networking and the power of talking to people and just, you know, making your presence known. And when I first started the organization, I was probably about a year or two into it. I had gone to a charity event for the Leukemia Society because I actually used to sit on like their junior board throughout college. So I was heavily involved in the Leukemia Society and they were hosting a fundraiser in her store. And when I walked into the store, Rebecca Minkoff was standing there with one of my friends who used to work for her. And the moment I walked through the door, my friend had said, Rebecca, this is Amanda. Amanda, this is Rebecca. Rebecca, Amanda runs this great nonprofit. Like, you know, you should know about it. And a very organic, quick conversation happened where Rebecca Minkoff herself was saying to me, like, you know, what do you do? What do you do with the samples? She had asked for my information. They gave her my business card and that was it. I didn't follow up. I didn't ask her for anything. And a week later, her assistant reached out and said, we have boxes we want to donate. And I don't know if it was fate that she was standing there when I walked in and talking to my friend. But that was the moment that really changed the Fashion Foundation. And I told her this before because she was supporting the Fashion Foundation. Rebecca knew about what I did, what we did with the samples, how we did it. And she had donated that year tens of of dozens of boxes of merchandise. And then later that year, she brought her entire staff to a school in Brooklyn to see, we donate our samples to the Fashion Foundation, but these are the kids that are now 
you know, getting new supplies and, and have smiles on their face because of our samples. So she saw it kind of full circle, which I love about that because it wasn't just like, here's our merchandise and that's it. I would actually say Rebecca was the first designer, big designer in fashion to say, you know, we support the Fashion Foundation. And that changed the entire course for us. One sent us so much product that she actually pushed me out of a home office because we had, she was sending stuff to our house and she sent so much stuff that we had not one ounce of room left. And we actually had to, I had to make the decision of like, okay, we have so much merchandise. What do I do? Do I get a store? Do I get an office? Do I get a storage unit? What is my next step? And she pushed me to have to make that decision. And that was just kind of the game changer here. The storage unit won't actually make us money. It'll store the merchandise. So that's when I decided to say, okay, I'm going to get a small office on Long Island. And that's what I did. I had to, I went from pay, not paying rent for two years to all of a sudden have to pay that rent as a right. business every month. Um, and that's what I did. I got a small office and that was my very first office. And ever since then, we've just kind of grown into bigger and bigger offices. How many people do you have working for the nonprofit right now? So I am the only full-time actual employee. Um, I have a lot of really great help, volunteers, interns. Um, I have an assistant that helps me basically with everything, but I'm the only like full-time employee. I know you personally go to schools also, and, and you want to see where the money is going and where the supplies. You must be the fairy godmother when you come. There must be, oh my God, Amanda's here. We are. There's a lot of smiles that you see happen. Um, you know, when we walk through the door and you have a, a truck full of, you know, holiday gifts or school supplies. And, um, you know, we build a relationship, a really great relationship with a lot of our schools and the principals and the, the staff there. And they're the ones who tend to remember us for the long run, because, you know, an elementary student in second grade, when we come back two or three years later, they might not kind of put two and two together. But I love that right now we're kind of working on these bigger projects for schools, because then kids for years to come will kind of have those things and kind of touch the things that we're giving. So it's not just a one-time donation to one student or a class of students or a grade of students. For years to come, these kids will actually have access to the libraries that we're helping to build or um, the playgrounds and, and murals that we're helping. So I love that it's not every student actually sees us, but they are touching kind of the things that we've helped provide to them. You know, the teachers absorbed this burden beforehand. The teachers were reaching into their own pockets and and getting the supplies and getting the clothes and giving lunch money you know to kids who couldn't do it and, and filling in the gap and the, it must be such a relief at times that they are not in this alone and they know that you're in it with them it's funny I don't even consider myself a successful entrepreneur because every day I'm still trying to grow and you know build this organization but I think to be an entrepreneur period you have to stick it out because everybody wants instant gratification and you know, everyone sees the success that I have, you know, in year 2021. But in year 2016, I was sitting in a basement by myself with, you know, one clothing rack. So it takes a lot of time to really lay the groundwork and make those connections and get your story out there. So it doesn't happen right away. And I'm jealous of the people that it does happen to right away. But I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to know just to stick it out and there will be moments that kind of change the game for you and change your business or your organization. And it takes a long time sometimes to hit those milestones and to, to achieve those things. So stick it out as long as possible. And also know when to quit. I mean, some businesses are not meant to take off or not meant to last forever. And at some point, sometimes you have to say like, is it working? 
is it is it growing? And if it's not, it's okay to kind of switch paths. I guess patience, right? Because you do have to wait it out. Um, I don't have a lot of patience, but I clearly do in a business sense because I waited, you know, seven years for these milestones. Um, you do need drive. You do need to be able to say, okay, I, I'm going to kind of stick this out the long run. And you need to be able to hustle and do things yourself. And you can't always rely on other people because not everybody will be there in the long run. And sometimes people are not there to have your back. So I think the key for me was when I first started, a lot of people would volunteer with me and and my friends would say, okay, I'll help you with photography and let me take photos for you. But then you realize that to take that photo, you might have to wait for that person to have the open availability to do that. So you have to say, okay, I need to learn how to take a photo myself so that I can do it when I need it done. So kind of learning those things yourself, I think is a key thing because you're not relying on other people. I learned how to build a website, how to ship out an order, how to file taxes if needed, how to, you know, how to reach out to a lawyer and find a lawyer who can handle things that are above my, my knowledge. Um, so really just learning the things yourself so that you know how to do every single moving part. So if someone's not there to help you or do it for you, you can get it done. How has your business model changed? The funny thing is it hasn't changed tremendously, but I feel like I had to kind of do this like S to get back where I needed to be. So when I first started, we only had a website because we couldn't afford to have a showroom or an office or a store. And then I started to realize, okay, we needed a, an office and people would actually come in there and shop sometimes. So it was kind of like a store, but more private. So my focus for many years became, okay, we're going to have a showroom where people can come in and shop. And then we're going to have the online store. And for, I would say three to four years, my showroom was my main priority because people were coming in and they were shopping and we might not have put new product on our website for weeks or months at a time. Then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden there was no in-store shopping and no, nobody wanted to be in person. So I had to say, okay, we're going to actually create a website and, and build our website really, really well and make that our priority. And that has grown tremendously. I, I mean, I can't even, the growth that we've had over the last two years on our website is incredible. And that's because I kind of did this S and came back to where I first started of like, okay, a website and people are shopping from all around the world on our website now and not just in our, you know, little office. Um, So that changed, but my mission never changed. We always provided school supplies and art supplies and basic things to students. Now we're working on some bigger projects with them, but we're also kind of sticking to our roots of, you know, what do you need? And that's some question. That's a question I always ask schools is what do your kids need? And that has never really changed. It's kind of expanded on both sides, but we've, we've stayed on the same mission and vision the whole time. Perry, the things that you're doing, you know, everybody says they want to do something or they want to do this or they want to do that. And most people don't ever do those things. And Perry, you're doing it. And you're the type just like me who, where if I say I want to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get it done. And if that means me taking everything over to get it done, I will do it. I have incredible interns that have helped me for many, many years and volunteers, and they do learn so many things as they go. And it's, it's always a two way street and they keep in touch with me for years after. So sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm doing something right. You know, I I can't afford to pay them. We're a small nonprofit. We're not as big as anybody thinks, but the fact that they're kind of staying in touch for years and they're still supporting and almost every intern leaves here saying, if you ever need help, 
call me, I will come, I will help you ship orders. I, I, you know, I have your back, which is so nice. And, um, I keep thinking like, I, I should start my other business because I have so many connections. I have so many great people have helped me that I would love to kind of like pay it forward to them and hire people in the long run. Um, so stay tuned. You never know what's going to happen here. The fashion foundation. And then you have, um, I'm a college professor and then I actually do freelance marketing for companies and nonprofits. So it's like all these different components of my life. And what I say to a lot of my students is you have to figure out what's most important to you. And for that year or two years or five years, you have to pick those pillars because you can't get it all. It's very hard to have it all. You don't get a great paying job with great hours, with a great boss, with a great commute, with a great social life, with, you know, all that you just, it's really hard to have it all. So for me, I think for many years, I've sacrificed my personal life and a love life. Um, because I, my career is my baby. It's still the case. Who knows if that'll change, you know, in the future, but it's very hard to, you know, have it all. Do you think if you were a man doing this nonprofit and this work, it would be easier for you? I think women are really great at balancing a lot of different things. And maybe we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, but so many women can kind of say like, I have a family, I have a job, I have a career, I have a husband or a wife, and I have all these different things and they're juggling. Right. Um, but something always, I feel just falls to the wayside because it's just hard to have it all on every single pillar. I teach um, at LIM college, which is a fashion college, basically in New York city. And what I love about what I teach is that I actually teach I call it like life lessons that no one taught me in college. And um, it's within the curriculum that, you know, has to be taught, but I'm teaching my students how to build a resume, how to network, how to stand on a zoom and talk to somebody who you've never met before and hold a conversation and, you know, be social. Um, how to, how to put yourself out there, how to have a nice Instagram that is, you know, professional and appropriate, how to build your personal brand. So all these different things that nobody really teaches you in college, which I hope someday all of these colleges teach these things. Um, so it's not from a textbook. It's really me getting up in class and saying, hey, this is, you know, what do you want to talk about? Who wants to fix their resume? This is what I think you should put. I'm not a resume expert. I didn't take classes on it, but I know what looks good and I know what sounds good. Um, so yeah, it's like a life lessons class. Any other designer you can think who you want to reach out to you and say, let's do this. There is like endless designers that I, I think would be great here. Um, you know, our customers all over the country and all over the world, really. And it's not just a teenage girl shopping, it's moms and it's women and it's grandmas and it's everybody. Um, so I always think of like Tori Birch because I feel like she's that all American type of woman who everybody, um, you know, gravitates to. Um, Mark Jacobs is another really big one that I would love to have. Michael Kors, all those like household names that I don't know if I'll ever get them. Um, but who knows? We'll manifest it. I think the industry is changing and they're kind of seeing like, okay, what can we do with our samples? And 10 years ago, no one was talking about that. So any designer that I think wanted to partner with us and send us our mer their merchandise at this point, we would say, please, let's, let's try it. And sometimes, sometimes the, the most, um, least popular household name brands can be our best sellers because just because I like something or you like something doesn't mean that somebody in a different state might like it um, or a different country. So we kind of welcome all of these designers because we never know what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. It's, you know, there's something here for everybody. So the, the crazy part of all this is in the beginning of the year, we had, we were featured on ABC news. We had pitched them and, you know, 
I don't really send out a lot of emails for press for the previous years. And then this year uh, we had said as an organization, this is the year that we're going to start sending out our, our story. We want, we need more press. We need to get the word out. And ABC news did something on us. And that was the catalyst for us that just, it's like the gift that keeps on giving because that's how the today show found out about us. Um, Kelly Clarkson, a producer, I think had Googled something and that is the interview that popped up. So ABC is really that thing that, you know, it's, it's opened so many doors. Kelly Clarkson, one was one of the most incredible opportunities I've ever had in my lifetime. I mean, the, the surprises, that's the thing too. I don't think everyone realizes everything that happened in that segment. And you guys actually got to see every piece that happened was a surprise to me. I had no idea anything that was going to happen there. So everything was a surprise. Um, and the Kelly Clarkson viewer we found is exactly the fashion foundation customer. And we had sales like crazy from women all around the country saying, you know, I saw you on the Kelly Clarkson show. I love what you do. I'm, you know, they made a purchase to support big or small. And I think we had hundreds and hundreds of people actually shop with us. You never expect it. You always hope for it and you never expect it. Cause when I feel like when you expect things, you get disappointed. And this has just been something that has honestly probably been one of the biggest opportunities at the Fashion Foundation this far. And my personal self, it's one of the greatest honors I think I've ever had. And you have your own day. And I have my own day. And I keep saying, you know, what do you do with that? That's such an honor. But what is that? I, I don't I don't know. I think it's just something that you have, you know, as a milestone in your life. And I just, that piece to me is something that I feel like nobody nobody gets that opportunity. It's very rare for something that major and that big to happen. And that was a moment that I left there being like, did that just happen? I have a day, not even the fashion foundation day, Amanda Mudd. I think it's all taken me a little while to process, but I'm just incredibly, incredibly grateful for the show and all these opportunities. They're just amazing. And we were more excited to see you than anything. We're like, this is just awesome. We were so yeah. proud of you. And I looked at Perry and I was like, Perry, this is who you want to be. And she's like, I know. And, and it's right back at you guys, because like I said, everybody says they want to do something and very little people actually pull the trigger and actually do what they want to do and have said that they want to do. So Perry, I think you're inspiring in yourself and that you're doing all these incredible things and, you know, you just keep pushing forward and, um, you know, you're an inspiration to other people too. And I, I say to people all the time, you know, I, I'm not a celebrity. I, I'm not, you know, an influencer, all these things. I just wake up every morning and I run the fashion foundation and all these opportunities just happen. And, you know, all of these moments happen and I just do what I do because I love what I do. And I think that's important. And if you love what you do and you just kind of wake up every day and go for it, then that's all you need.